Welcome to the Barrel Chat Podcast, where we provide an unfiltered look into the craft beer industry from the untrained palates of two dumbass outsiders. I am Matthew Muncie, and as always, I'm joined by Dustin Wood. Dustin, how are you doing today? Fantastic. We're sitting in an open air space, looking at brew equipment, smelling brews, and going to do an interview. How can you not enjoy this night? That's right. So uh, back back on the interview circuit, and we have, and I should have asked you your name before I did this. <laughs> Mike Abel. Journalism one oh one. It's like I knew it was Mike, but I I assumed it was Abel. But I was yeah. like, man, watch it be something a like bell. Yeah, yeah, something no weird that I like. You're not even close. <laughs> no, actually, you got it right. Ding, actually, ding, ding. it's Meek. <laughs> Meek Abel. <laughs> Uh, and you are the head brewer mm-hmm. of Fork and Ale House? Yes. Okay. I keep calling it Fork and Ale all day. So then it's funny. I That's... just saw House on there, and I'm like, well, got to go Ale House. Ah, Fork and Ale House Kitchen and Brewery. Yes. It all right. It is and... located in Carmel, right next to Sun King. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. On Industrial <laughs> Drive, right there on that Monon Square where everybody does everything. Yeah, there's some great places to just chill right there too yeah. you've got that open space in front of you guys if you like coffee java mm-hmm. house is right there if you want to make some candles pen and beaches right yeah. there get a good dinner make some candles can't go wrong it's one of the few places that i've noticed in um at least in the indie area that has a walkout license so as long as it's not glass if you buy something in cans from either sun king or ourself you can just walk out on that square as long as it's not ah. up and down the monon but legally just have a fun day outside Crack a beer. Nice. So to be honest, I did not know that this place existed. That's fair. Not many do. <laughs> it's okay. Like you hit us up and I was like, what is Fork and Ale House? I've never heard of this. And then I saw it's been open since 2019 mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, okay. Like that's, it's kind of like a hidden gym yeah. because you guys do brew your own beer. Yeah. Instead yeah. of it just being a, a, a restaurant that brings in a bunch. So... For those who are new to the show, typically what we will do for interviews is try a few of the beers. We'll let Mike tell us more about his brewing process and how he comes up with all of these. Learn more about how he got into the brewing game. And then uh, anything about the the brewery, the restaurant, how it came to be, you know, whatever kind of information you have from there. Yeah, sounds great. So did we want to start with a beer first? Sure thing. I think that's a good way to do it. As listed on the menu, it's the lager. It's you know it, it allows us to do a seasonal lager, but uh, my personal favorite is a Czech style, very crispy, clean. You have your saz hops, a little bit funky, a little bit bitter, grassy notes, and then just all pilsner malt, all pilsner. Sorry if I over foam. Everything we have <laughs> is uh, crowler, so uh, you can fill anything from the tap, and you just end up with. Uh, very, very full cans. <laughs> That's all right. I like I'd what ra- they're doing. I'd rather there be a lot of foam and a lot of carbonation than none. Than none. Oh, for sure. I like that they do the 16-ounce crawlers now. It yep. was, for a while, just 32s. Oh, that it's too much. you, you got to share it with your buddy, which well, is cool. That's but... better than 64, though. Oh, gosh. Nobody needs 64 ounces of anything. That's not true. There's some Imperial Stouts that I would gladly take 64 ounces of. Yeah, but... At, like at a certain point, I'm like, uh, I don't nope. want it to go bad, well, but I also don't want to drink at all. Like, what kind of a 14 plus percent imperial stat are you going to drink 64 ounces of? Savoy. Uh, well, yeah. Savoy. We would 100 percent. 32 a piece, but not 64 yourself straight to the dome. You I, would die. I would. 
Well, also, that's <laughs> limited carbonation, too, right? Yeah. So it'll last a couple days, especially if, pro tip, if you have one of those bike pumps, those little quick CO2 cartridges, and you have a, a growler that you're only halfway through, that's oxidizing on the top layer. Spritz that with that CO2, expel the oxygen, last a little bit longer. It okay. might not be as depth carbonated, but it does save it from oxidizing a little bit. Random sort of tangent. Could you could you add more carbonation to a growler, say, through a soda stream? You could. Problem is, those sugars, everything's combined in pieces, right? So you, usually that fresh, fresh beer taste, it goes into a bright tank, and a bright tank is for carbonation. It bring, blends all those flavors together for about a day or so, and then it tastes like beer. Before then, it tastes like pieces, you know, like a Lego set when you're not quite done with it. It's got all those bits in it, but it's not quite there. It does that. It's kind of reverse. <laughs> so you blow off a lot of those flavors whenever you try to reintroduce CO2. Gotcha. And those sugars are not the most stable. So don't try that at home. It, it, okay. It'll foam more than you think. Good so to know. on the same lines, I watch Shark Tank just mm -hmm. because I like watching Mark Cuban yep. tell them what's up. <clears throat> but they brought on something called a square keg. And yeah. It's basically you pour it into this little square keg and then you pressurize it and it's supposed to last weeks. Yes. Any thoughts on how that functions? Like so, I, I thought about buying one, but I was like, uh. not not to push products and whatnot, but I really like Growler Works. They do a similar sort of thing, a, a 64 and a 128 ounce growler. Right. Yeah, and it has a CO2 cartridge and a cap. Yep. So it's doing the same thing. It's applying pressure through CO2 over the top, and that way, if you get beer in it, you can just have it, and it's never losing that. So that carbonation breaks out because there's nothing pushing against it. When you apply more CO2 on top, one, you're not oxidizing the beer, so you still get freshness, and two, it's still carbonated whenever it comes out. Yeah, I've thought about buying one of those, too. There was just something unique about this weird keg mm -hmm. that I was like, we can make mixed drinks in this. We could do all kinds of stuff. We used to do it with corny kegs when we were at Bottoms Up, uh, where we both worked for a while. Yeah. We would make mixed drinks and serve them through the Bottoms Up system and push it with CO2 so it would end up carbonating up like throughout the day. Right. So that's the good and the bad of making cocktails in those sets, right? You either say you're a winery and you're pushing with nitrogen or argon, which is yep. non-reactive. You're just pushing. And then if it is CO2 and that's the only thing you have, just set that as low as possible because if you're not wanting a carbonated drink, <laughs> yep. you're going to get a carbonated drink. <laughs> we would push it with nitrogen sometimes and that yeah. was a little better, but still. You always end up with a little bit. All right. So tell us about this lager. How, how did this come about? What are... What's in it? What are we supposed to be tasting? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Sure. All right. So as listed on there, it's just called a lager, and that gets um, anyone in the door. If they're wanting something crispy or something balanced, um, more of that, I don't want to say dad beer, but it's, beer. We, we all know it's, it's a crispy, crispy beer. Um, the previous iteration from the brewer before myself, uh, I took over in December at this location so since then it was a hellas lager which if you're unfamiliar it's a little bit more fuller bodied it's got yep. a little bit of not completely crispy but let's say a hint of chewy <laughs> uh this personally i love all say single malt and single hop so a smash beer um 
this is technically a smash beer because it is only Pilsner malt. And I got Euro Pills. It's the best I could get for the time. I would always love to go and pick my own grains, pick my own hops. Sometimes on this scale, it's just... It, you're asking too much. It's you, You'd pay more to go over there and do it than it would for the revenue of the beer. So this is all Pilsner malt and all Czech hops. Uh, saws. Czech saws. So the notes for Pilsner are crackery, very thin like a hint of bread, but not caramelized bread. Like that fresh, squishy, let's say, Euro-French bread that's just, you know, you put it in your mouth and it just melts into sugar. Uh, and the back end of it is Saz hops, which, to me, they always taste a little bit dank, kind of like um, grass clippings that have fermented a little bit. <laughs> now, that's Speaking not a... from experience? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't always... Um, rake my yard after that and uh, I really should get a bagger for the mower. So it just ends up. I don't, I don't ever rake my yard. Yeah, leave great. It. It, they, they even say that it's good for the grass. So. Yeah, so long as you're not leaving like well, yeah, no, mine, <laughs> three inches of clipping. Yeah, it no, falls down, right? Mine's not that bad. Yeah. I've never had a problem with it. And oh, I don't rake your The HOA doesn't say anything. so Well, then you're good. Yeah, They're I live in Fishers and have never gotten yelled at by the HOA. So And no just no raking of anything, and they're just, ah, well, then. Well, mulching blade. Uh, uh, that's probably part of it. Got the, yeah, that's what I use. <laughs> I, I mulch it. Got the beautiful electric mower with the mulching blade. I could go on a tangent about this for a while. I, I, my next. I, I So what I'm seeing here is we started drinking, quote, unquote, the dad beer. And, and now we're immediately going mowers. to dad mode with lawn <laughs> Next like, thing you know, I'm going to look down, and I'm wearing white Nikes. That I don't own. I mean, like, he's got a dad hat on. Well, so. yeah, I do. I dad. do love the dad hat. Yeah, and then also, did somebody touch the thermostat? <laughs> Are you warm? No, that was the oh, that's dad, dad joke. joke. <laughs> oh, that is true. That, we that's all right. <laughs> that that did go over my head, but damn it! Now I because <laughs> I make that same joke all the time. So now I'm mad that I don't. But it's like right when you said that, like a breeze came it through, did. and oh, it man. cooled down, and so I thought. Because before the show, we were talking about how yeah. it gets hot in here and stuff, and there's no AC. So, like, it was, like, the perfectly timed joke for us not to get it <laughs> Yes, because of that that nice breeze. Yeah. So, I, I noticed here, I pulled up the website. Basically, all of the, I'm going to assume, base-style beers are called exactly what they are. So, you Correct. have Amber, Lager, Hefeweizen. Nobody's going to be confused what they're drinking if, when it comes to that. Right. They might not understand the notes of that beer or pieces of that style. Um, or they might just look for a recommendation. A lot of what we brew is, or what I brew, is on food scale. So it's relatively low alcohol, under 7%, goes with food. Like if you want a cheeseburger and want a beer, I mean, I'm going to recommend this because this is one of my favorite things on tap. But... I, I get picky about the certain things that I like that the public may lean into, say, more fruited options or more um, uh, hoppier options, let's say. So then with the other beers, I take it that those are the ones that have maybe an adjunct in there, like Beehive Blonde, I would assume is some kind of maybe a honey blonde. Surprise, surprise, honey. Okay. Um, Winking Cedar Brown? Correct. What... So what is that? The original recipe is uh, I can't divulge too many trade secrets, but I will say it's supposed to give you a hint of like that sappy cedar flavor to it. 
um, there's a little bit more chocolate in that recipe. So that's that's one that I would say I haven't perfected yet. I was handed a series of recipes from first open, and some of them work amazingly. Some of them still need some tweaking. It's been a couple years. Uh, I'm the third brewer for this location, so some things just need to push up and down on the dials a little bit until you find it. So that one's it's that one's in a stage that I still love it, but it's more chocolate than say a cedar wood. So with this beer, yep. you say that it's kind of your favorite. What makes it your favorite? To, I, to brew, to drink, mm-hmm. all around. I have a sweet spot for. They say all good things take time. Lagering takes time, <laughs> and that means my tank is taken up. My fermenter is lagering and degassing and just I have to treat the sulfur one way or another all the time. And so when this was on, I was frustrated because this is, you know, I I have three fermenters and a bright tank. One of my fermenters cannot be used for weeks, so I have to plan around when I do and do not brew a lager. But at the end of it, whenever it comes out like this, it's kind of like it's my baby. It's it's a gabagool. It's my it's my go-to, <laughs> and it's kind of a it's a hidden secret where you put it on tap as lager for style. So if someone asks, "Oh, is it a pilsner lager?" Technically, yes, it's all pilsner malt. And then you say, "Is it a Czech lager?" Which no one, eh, not that no one's going to ask that, but very few people are looking for specifically that. I, it just hits all the buttons for me. I, it's a beer I didn't know that I needed at the end of a day. <laughs> so what uh, was this beer already here? Was it one of the recipes, or is this something that you brought? This is something I have brought. Um, it wasn't anywhere else, but I've had experience with um, similar lagering styles, very clear, crispy beers, and I always like a little bit of funk, so... There are things that go with food and things that don't necessarily fit the style for what the restaurant is making as far as um, food, and I have to think of food first. Um, That's the tie-in to all of this. So I can't make something... It's not that I wouldn't want to. It it would be out of place to make something super sour or something super, you know, overly fruited. Uh, Just a hint will do. Just a... A bit of resting on strawberries or you know using honey there's there's not much that you need that will play itself there and I, I don't I don't think people that are going for dinner necessarily want to be smacked in the face with oh gosh that's so many hops or that's ah that's that ah, juicy acid I don't know it could be reading it wrong but I, I think it's worked out so far <laughs> I mean you got to have a dessert beer on too right that's that's my winter project right now during the winter I have a uh, a scotch ale that does really well and during the winter i would love to do a bourbon barrel stout surprise surprise um you could do that now we would drink it i would (laughs) i would drink it just following this no problems but in the summer i don't know what it is darker beers don't move i think that's just a market problem we all have (laughs) not everybody's nerds like us yeah I would drink an Imperial 14% bourbon barrel stout oh, yeah. on a 90-degree day. I would have some for breakfast, but I, I hear it's frowned upon. In the U.S., at least. Yeah. So before we fully move on to the next one, I, I did. Yeah. I, we should talk about this. Yes, please. Um, Thoughts, feelings. Yeah. And Dustin, go ahead. I'll let you 
Well, you brought it up first. Well, mine's almost gone now, but um, I was saying to Matt, it's really clean, and I love the just sheer visibility that you get through a mm-hmm. super clean Pilsner lager, even some ambers and yeah. stuff. Um, but I do get a lot of the malt. I could definitely tell it's a Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. But there is this like twangy, citrusy finish that mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, and it's probably because you like a bit of funk to your styles. I do. Uh, but I do enjoy that because otherwise I think it would just be Miller Lite. Yeah, it's very, very light in body. It's so crispy that, like, I, that's another point. I'm, I'm happy about it. But if there wasn't that kind of leftover lingering flavor, it, it wouldn't give me what I want. And it, and it still does. Now, saying it's would be Miller Lite is not like literally a jab because they win gold medals making the best pilsner all the time it's a fine pilsner beer but i do like the just the aftertaste that comes with this because it just reminds me that other shit was in this beer than mm-hmm. just a pilsner malt <coughs> that's it right and uh, a lot of times too whenever people play a say if they're making uh just a lager of some sort People go overly complicated, too, and they go, oh, I'm going to put these four malts in it and this and this and this. By the time the yeast has cleaned everything up, you're going to get the primary malt and the primary hop. Yeah, so you're That's, just wasting money right. at that point. Like, well, I mean, unless you're going for a different water profile or style, this is very thin, crispy. Um, for those of you who brew, it's uh, two-to-one sulfate to chloride. Mm. Uh, but yes, very crispy. Yeah, you lost us on that. You no, used that's fine. words that <laughs> this isn't chemistry class. I, I didn't sign up for this. I do that in my system. I just don't <laughs> know what it means. Oh, that's okay. It's brew water. It's um it took me a long time to get used to it and at some places if you have perfect water, you don't have to touch it. Here in Indianapolis we have a lot of uh water modifications to do. I'm sure you've been around to other breweries that have systems that have to add brew salts in and reverse osmosis. Yep. Yeah. It's it's Otherwise, a lot. limestone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> silt. <laughs> so much rock silt in everything. May I pour you gentlemen a beer? Yes. So this one is the Amber Ale. Correct. If I read that right, 4.8%. Yep. Let's see here. 32 IBUs. I, I'm not sure if the website has been updated yet or not. Um, um, it, it's... It's in the process of, and it's not always directly from there, but I know I have the IBUs somewhere. I could go get them, or we could just drink it, and I'm, I'm choosing yeah, we're, option two. we're fine two. with just drinking it. <laughs> so now this one is interesting, because this is coming on... This the- is a little bit different, too, so I, I, want, I want to know your all's take on this. This is, um, this is an adapted old recipe in a way that I like. So I will say, by the time this comes out, We've already released our episode on uh, Highland Brewing, which is out of Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, nice. And uh, we reviewed their Gaelic Ale, which was an amber. Would it go number six yeah. on our top 50 list? Yeah. We didn't, re- like, stunning. Yeah. Because it's like generic-ass can, just screams mass-produced, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay. Like, this is just going to be your run-of-the-mill yeah. amber. And then you drink it, and you're just like, all right, there's a reason it's been around for 30 years. Why are like, you so good at yeah. this? Some beers just, they hit well. They just, you can't not. Yeah. I don't 
I don't understand exactly why, but I, I know that some systems are so specific that they have every metric dialed in by a quarter of a degree, and they're not going to be off. Yeah, it is fascinating to see beers like that where you're just like, man, you, you're obviously mass producing it and nailing it, and it's and it's that good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's I, I could drink Sun King's Cream Ale, but yeah. I've I've had better ones. But it's like that might be the best. Till I try this, that might be the best amber mm-hmm. that I've had. Yeah, you know, and it's not like we get a lot of those around here. It's 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 kind of a dying style, only because you get this Euro amber that's more of like an amber lager, and then you get a the U.S. amber. This is closer, I would say, leaning on the U.S. side, only because there's a there's a different hop note that I was trying to draw from it, um, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth. We'll kind of discuss that. Uh, if you can pick out some things of it, but so I'm trying to figure out what I'm smelling. Yep, and it's almost like a coriander. Like I don't, I don't get malt, like the heavy malt nose that I feel like I know we got with the one from uh, the Asheville Brewery, and what I expect from an amber. So I don't have that, but there's an interesting, like you would say, twang. Uh, to it, yes, for I sure. I don't know what it is. I'm guessing it's the hop you're playing with, but I definitely get something on the nose that I can't fully describe. I'm not going to break it down into exact components again, proprietary secrets. But no, it's uh, there are certain notes that I look for in an amber. At first pieces, usually malt. Like you want this hint of not butterscotch in the way that it's a, an, a bad thing, but you want more like this hint of roast and it like caramel, kind of like your mom's baking something in the other room, like caramel cookies or something, like you get a waft of it. But it's not so close that you're like, ah, sugar. Uh, the other piece to it, it is a hop note. There's a, a lot of back-end hops on this one, so it plays more of do you know the old style? I say old style, um, not old style, but old style. <laughs> the uh, oh, I think Dogfish had made one, a brown IPA. That's yeah. a very uncommon style. This would be like a brown pale, which okay, oxymoronic, but no, that I mean that definitely describes what I'm tasting. Yes, is like a super lightly malted pale ale. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it it's. A Sierra Nevada, if it had a bit more roast and a little less body. What hop is this? It is Azaka. Azaka produces a lot of, like, grapefruit pine, but... Definitely get the pine. Yeah, but surprised to me, it's, it's a little funkier, right? It's a little, like, not sour, but a little out there, like... It's, a, it's different. I don't. I don't know why I like it. I could pinpoint it, but it's not oniony. It's. I, I know a lot of hops in that line tend to be oniony or garlicky, and no, to me, I I just really like the Zaka, and we got a good. Um, we found a good source, and I I just wanted to move this back into this recipe. <laughs> so is this one? Was this one here? Or did you bring this one too? This one was a recipe that existed, that wasn't quite finished it was whenever i brewed an initial batch it tasted like 80 percent there 
if if that makes any sense. Like, you ever taste a beer and just go, "That's great." It's missing something. The life of yes. Marty. Science project. Science project. Oh, nice. <laughs> What's that's, what, uh, that's what we said. We're like this. That one, it had too much cinnamon. Okay. I usually can't taste yeah, cinnamon. It tasted in a beer. like eating spoonfuls huh? of cinnamon. And I immediately tasted it, but it was like there's something here. Like you could just while drinking it, you could just tell like there's something about this beer that this is this could be easily be top level, top ten on our list. But like this, I think it was their first go at it, like mm-hmm. on a production scale and not a gotcha. hundred scale. And so it was just like, just missed a little bit. The body was not there, mm. and yeah, then it was thin for really us. the like it was one note. The other notes were there, but it was so hidden by the over adjuncted flavor that you couldn't pull any of the stout base. I'm not familiar. What was it? A cinnamon stout? Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was an imperial stout that was uh, based around king cakes. Oh, okay. So, so it was like their Mardi Gras beer. Mardi Gras. Uh, so, I mean, to be fair, king cakes are dryish. Yeah. So, it was like a dry version, and but I don't know. It just he agreed it was missing something. I just feel like if it had one more like umph of like malt or one more umph of, I said he could age it in a rum barrel and it would have made it yeah. six thousand times better. But I feel like that's just disguising the beer at that point. Well, then you get into the problem of you get the, all this flavor of rum and you get this faux sweetness from that high alcohol, yep. but then you lose body because you're thinning it out with alcohol and wood. So what do you what do you end up with? You get more rounded flavors, but then you get even thinner yep. on the total end. So I, maybe it warrants a blend. I don't know. I haven't tried this beer yet, but it, it sounds like it's on my list for sure. <laughs> something Something worthwhile. So I like the um, I like that we just had that that Highland Gaelic ale because it is so, to me it is a completely different like opposite I, directions. Yeah, because it was an uh, an Irish red and yeah. Irish amber ale, the European version, and this is obviously the American version. Yeah, and you can tell the massive difference there, like super hoppy versus super malty. Yeah, and it's not for me. Yeah. But that's because I don't I don't enjoy a, the Americanized version of a lot of things. I'm just not a hop guy, um, and so that's kind of where a lot of it falls for me. But like it's it's super clean. Mm-hmm. It is delicious. Like I do like whatever like whatever made up name you came up with that for that hop because they're all just <laughs> made up like, yeah. Like every time it's a different hop. It's never just Citra. It's no as Kanazi now. It's well, now it's got to be HB six eight seven Citra. Uh, Actually, my favorite hop of all time. If you can ever get a hold of it, they can't do it. But it's Hop Breeding Company HBC three four two. It used to be what was the leading hop or the aroma hop in Sunshine Daydream from Fatheads. Okay. Um, which, if I remember right, is either four point nine or three point nine percent. It's. I feel like it's almost three point nine because it was. It's just a pale ale that I could drink all day. And that one specifically always wanted made me want a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> and I've never had a hop just go, you're going to eat a peanut butter sandwich now. But that because one did. it tasted like uh, a fucking jelly or... <laughs> I, it, it's piney. It was like lemony, but it just goes, you're eating peanut butter now. Uh, okay. Okay, I guess I will. Thank you, hop. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, There's so, definitely something in the hop that hits my palate wrong and it's not i don't think that it's the brew itself it's just something with the hop it 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 feels uh acidic yeah 
correct. Whenever, also, whenever this comes through, a lot. I know we're not eating currently, but a lot of what I I think of has to pair with food, so it has to like fall within like you know, not this far acidic, but not this basic, and not this heavy, but not this carbonated. There's like a a smaller window that I typically go by just for the sake of food pairing, and just. This has been a really great place for me to just go hit your bases, hit them every time. You can expand out if you're, you know, if there's an open tap line and you get to go hog wild, go for <laughs> it. But that's not very often, so just hit all your numbers and hit them clean. So in that instance, what is the pH, or do you know? I don't have uh, this one marked on. I, I do mash pHs. Okay. Uh, and in fact, uh, I was checking water pH today and my <laughs> pH meter uh, pooped out on me. So oh, I will be getting another one. <laughs> <laughs> so right now that has zero pH. <laughs> yes. Let's, well, let's hope it's not zero. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally it's not. Right. Um, no, it does. It, there's some sort of like an acidic flavor yes. to here that's interesting to me. But I do, like Matt said, appreciate the stark difference between the two styles that are in the same family. It's yeah. so crazy that... And we a great example is we almost refuse to drink American barley wines. Yeah, but we will drink English barley wines like they're going out of style. Please come party at my house. <laughs> like, this is a barley wine party, and y'all are invited. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> after <laughs> there's English house barley later. wines. I yep. am there. Oh, I want it to I, be. I stopped. Uh, I, I gave up drinking for a year in 2021. <laughs> nice to, to try and lose weight and everything else and. Uh, you know, obviously 2020 was a wreck on everyone. Yep. But uh, that was the year that every Indiana brewery decided, I'm going to make an English barley wine. And I took like, pictures of every goddamn one of them. I have never <laughs> been so Man. angry about... I was like, I'm a good friend. ...about doing something healthy in my life. Please tell me some of them bottled so you got to sit on them for... I, so I didn't buy it. Okay. And the reason was I didn't know if I was going to come back to drinking. That's fair. And so I didn't want them to, because to, obviously I could give them away, but I didn't want that temptation of, okay, the year is done. Because that was my goal, was just do it for a year, see what happens. I like challenging myself and doing weird things, and I learned a lot about what I liked about beer and stuff like that. And so I didn't buy it, because I didn't want to get to January 1st, 2022, and be like, okay, I have to drink these, because I bought them all, yeah. even if I wasn't really interested in doing it anymore no i like but that then i came back to drinking and i hated myself for not <laughs> you only missed the one you only missed the year of the barley wines i, I know and it'll be the only time it ever happened like there was at least was like so four or five breweries that made and they were all english like there a lot of places make american that like bigfoot people like to clone bigfoot yep. a lot like well, all the time behemoth yeah that's, that yeah. too yep. So they don't do anything traditional. So. No. But I, I will say with this one, like, if you are a, a person who likes hops, like, mm -hmm. you're going to like this beer. Yeah. yeah. Because it has everything you're looking for in an amber. It's just hoppier. Right. You know, yeah. it, and you kind of change the hops. You get the hops and less malt and less caramel. Yeah. And that's really, like, the big – that's the trade-off is the right. way to look at it. And the body, too. It's a little easier to drink, I think, than a typical – like a weightier amber. That is true. I yeah. was going to say that Gaelic ale was only like 5%. Five, yeah. So like it was similar body yeah. to this. And and some of that too is like it's in sugar extractions and how it holds together. I could go real nerdy down some of these alleyways, but 
uh, just temperature and time and extraction, just putting it into a place. Um, like you all know, like brewing a good barley wine, either it, it's going to be thick or it's going to be like this kind of crispy, hoppy, like unpieced together thing that only works well after three years of aging. And then you're like, why did I hop the crap out of it anyway? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> now I, it's I, just an English version yeah, three years later? Yeah, yeah. Like, why did why did I make this to sit on it? Oh, right. I could have this right now. Um, no, a lot of that, like, England has the best. I, I would love to be able to offer something on hand pull or something on firkin. But, again, it's like food pairing. It's what people don't ask for. If, if you and your friends come in every Thursday and ask, please, can we have firkins and hand pulls? Do that for a month or two, and it'll happen. You just guys please. have trivia on Thursday? <laughs> we could just come in and be like, hey, the firkin guys are here. Firkin, firkin. But Give me a firkin. I feel like you guys could probably pull off a, like a pub ale. I, I would love to. I would love to have live ale, something that is, you know, in keg, in theory. You know, you, yeah. you draw upon it, but... With that, you have the sacrifice of it's only going to last two days, like whatever that keg is. And then in England, you get these overly like sherry oxidized pieces that are delicious, but they're delicious for its own sake. And many Americans don't like that flavor. It's a yeah, little. It's, it's like a sour that has the residence left in it. Uh, yeah. It's just, I appreciate them, but I am cannot, would not consider myself your average beer connoisseur. Yeah, it's more. Hey, that's weird. I want to try that. Yes, like give me that. I don't have no idea what those words mean, but I want it. Like Great. I was at Ralston's Draft House the other day, and they had a Brazilian Imperial Stout, and I was like, uh, "Yes." I've n- no, I've 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 had Brazilian beer a lot, but never an Imperial. So like they good. don't make in nothing. Okay, it's not that they don't make it; it just never makes it to us ever. It was not cheap. Okay, but it was there. really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did it did it taste of Brazil or was there like give me give me the like so the far back view of it? Really, if I man, it was it's a while back, but if I remember correctly, it was super syrupy. Okay. So I think it just lost a lot of its carbonation that was yeah. there to begin with, which was probably little to begin with. But the flavors of the just big multi bomb of a stout that they would make in a place like that yeah. was great. But then they threw, um, it was coconut and like, I think pineapple or something strange in it. That's so strange. So it was like Jamaican. Okay. You Brazilian. said, you said pineapple. And one of my, this reminds me of two short stories. If we have time. Always. Okay. We so can the, go as long as, as long as anybody wants. That's, I mean, well, there's beer. So exactly. That's, I'm not upset. Uh, the first one is my first epic fail as a home brewer. <laughs> Pineapple stout. Just A point, B point. Sure, that'll make it work. Uh, no. At that time, I did not know of the enzymatic properties of pineapple. Uh, what, I, the bromelain enzymes or whatever they are. I, I could... I'll look it up eventually, but they make everything thinner because they are enzymes active at almost any temperature, which is why, like, whenever you bite it, it's like your mouth just goes, ah, just what's going on? It's acidic, and the enzymes, they break themselves down. Um, so, no, it tasted like it tasted like I made a chocolate sour. 
and it was not good. Everything broke down into its smallest pieces, and then it was just this thin chocolate, alcohol, pineapple water. Yeah, I think that's why this one was so thin. <laughs> but the the flavor profile was great. I don't know what they did with the pineapple, whether they just, like, juiced the shit out of it. They had to do maybe just peels. Like, they didn't get... I don't, yeah. I don't know the best way to extract from pineapple, honestly. But... Anytime I find stuff like that, like one of our favorite beers that we've ever had on the show was uh, Boomaye, and it's from uh, Eight Wired. I think they're out of Norway or New Zealand or something. Either Australia. But it's it's an imperial stout aged in wine barrels for three years. That sounds amazing. It was. I'd have that now. You could, Do probably have still a find it. you could probably still find it, actually. Okay. Uh, Stoney's on the east side. I love Stoney's. Or uh, 96th in Benford. There's a Payless right there. You walk in on the shelf, that all the like dem- or the imports oh, are Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's, on the it's where corner. all the, the uh, Shelton Brothers stuff went yep. to like die, but yep. it's not dead yet. It's all yep. there. So same place, bottom row of the shelf, closest to the... Uh, Refrigerators. If you're listening to this, <laughs> Don't the 96th them. store has nothing. They just have cheap beer. No other beer. No other great beer hidden on None. the shelves there. Um, the second follow-up also kind of plays into today. If, if I'm allowed to take um, uh, discussion on who's here and what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I work part-time for Ash and Elm Cider Company as well. And it's not as often as I'd like because this takes nearly all of my time. All of my human time goes here. (laughs) Um, But their head cider maker is here today. He's getting some uh, reverse osmosis water from us. And he they're getting ready to make another batch of Del Camino. If you are familiar, uh, it is a tapache style cider, which means like funky pineapple um, cinnamon notes. I think, I don't know if he's even paying attention right now. No, I don't think so. I was going to say, like, oh, he's here. He should say something about it. But, <laughs> no. Well, either way, he's uh, just, they make great stuff, too, but it's in the cider. It's a different theme. If I, um, the, the, my personal story is that I thought I was um, gluten intolerant because it helped my digestion to remove it from there and i thought i didn't want to leave the industry so i was um it just felt silly to i was um second brewer or assistant brewer down at great flood in louisville kentucky oh cool yeah i'd bring you their beer but i was not been down there recently so it's, it's great stuff i just haven't been they um but coming up i thought oh i gotta do something else and so I got into cider and worked as a cellarman there, and I still help out occasionally. But, you know, once once it came apparent that gluten was not it, I probably needed to get back into beer. <laughs> Just, I, I have too much, you know, when you have a kegerator at home, that means something <laughs> as far as you being into that. Uh, I was going to bring up, because you were talking about Imperial Stouts, have you all ever been to Burial? Yep. <laughs> oh, that's well. That's so the face. I so I've never been there. Okay, but that was the beer that uh, Cody from Science Project shared mm-hmm. with us because Burial is his favorite brewery. So we had an Imperial Stout of theirs uh, on the After Dark episode with him. Do you remember what the name of it was? Uh, I God. I can find it. I was gonna but... say not off the top of my head. Yeah. He probably 
checked it in. It's. I'll give you a minute on that one because they make my absolute favorite beer of all time, or made. You know how everything of theirs is like seasonal, pick good stuff, and then just they'll make it and have a batch for six months and then it's gone. Just so ethereal. Um, the best thing I've ever had was, <laughs> and of their names too, um, it was an accident. I ordered it for a friend and I got the wrong thing. He's like, what'd you order? Um, excommunication from the altar of nonconformity? <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted. Oh, and then we both tried it and thought, this is the best beer I've ever had in my life. I actually wanted excommunication from the altar of uh, something else. Yeah, it was something different. <laughs> it's all metal lyrics. Uh, we had fantastical apparitions of nonsuch. <laughs> that might have been the beer I was supposed to order. I don't know. It was a 15% imperial double pastry stout uh, with uh, macaron, macaroon coconuts and Tahitian vanilla beans. Yep. I think that was what I was... In that vein, I was supposed to order something sweet like that, but I ended up ordering the nonconformity, which was a 15% lemon imperial stout. Whoa. And going back to that other fruit, I was just like, but lemon, but acidity. How did you... But how did it... I've never had something that balances itself and just goes, your concept of this beer doesn't exist. Just like, what? Gone. So how'd you get into brewing? Uh, I was a teenager who liked to drink. No, uh, <laughs> no, I uh, radio edit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. There was a really good homebrew shop down in Louisville as well. Um, and as I came of age, I did drum corps out in California. And whenever I came back, I was kind of missing a hobby. You know, just something to fill time. I was playing tuba for fourteen hours a day every day and then when you get back and you just wake up automatically at five in the morning and go i have nothing to do it's frustrating so coming to that you just end up going oh i'm gonna do something oh i like beer that sounds good i'm you know i'm 21 i'll make some beer and i talked to john john if you're out there listening this is fantastic he was in an old shop called um don't want to mix up his old and his new shop but his old shop was my my old Kentucky homebrew, also pun. Uh, and then whenever that space was not right for him anymore, he opened up a separate spot called Brewgrass Homebrew. I've seen that one. Yeah. And John's awesome. He and his dad operate that shop. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in beer. So that's Sounds very to similar to a lot of people here yeah. uh, with Anita. Uh, uh, great Fermentations? Yep. Yeah. That's a lot of our brewers are the same way. Hey, we wouldn't be in this. We wouldn't have the knowledge. It's it's accessibility, right? Like if, if you know people in something and can evolve, then you, you do. There's just a natural progression. But if there's nothing there, if you are in a, I guess, beer desert for better terms, but it you don't know and there's no learning if you don't have any access around you. Yep, that's funny. We talk a lot about like small towns that are getting their first breweries, and getting into that is hard because you're like, I want to brew these crazy hype beers, but Bob, who's coming in to drink, is going to look for a Bud Light or a Coors Light, and they want that type of beer. So it's just a battle every day. Right. Well, lager breweries, too, are getting a little more popular, but I don't think the Midwest has taken to 
you know, all lager breweries yet. There are places that do have wonderful lagering tanks. Actually, I think you're wearing a chili hat, uh, chili water. Yep. Um, great lagering system there, medium scale. Um, but, you know, whenever you can devote that time and that pressure to something that you know you're going to sit on for, you know, a month to two months and just let it clean itself out and end up with something crisp, do it. Like, it, it's worth the investment. If, if that's the target and that's the product you're doing, do it. I, I am operating with what I can until I cannot operate with that anymore. Uh, hoping I get a lagering tank, crossing fingers, but I think there's more important things to get in between. So oh There's well. a place in Michigan called Wolverine Brewing mm-hmm. that lagers everything. That sounds great. So their stouts are lagered, their porters are lagered. It was the most unique drinking experience because everything finished crispy, and it was so strange. You're like, oh, this 9% stout, crispy clean. I could drink this in a kayak. This is weird. (laughs) Dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mind if I grab another beer? Yeah. Cool. Actually, this one might be two because this is the one that I have that's almost done fermenting. So we're going to try a sample of almost done fermenting and then also try the finished version. Or inverted, usually you want to try the, you know, um, colder to warmer, so that way you can search for some of those. And then when it's warm, especially, all those notes are just going to, like, explode out. So. Cool. All right, so what did you bring over here? The Hefeweizen? Hefeweizen. All right. And you so, said this one, starting off, that's the finished version? Yes, the finished version only because the other one has about a day left and it's still warm. And by warm, I mean in the 60s. And this is at 37. So a lot of those flavors are going to be like encapsulated. I want you to search for them. Not like I'm giving you homework or anything, but you just a little splash and figure it out. And then whenever it's at room, like warmer temperatures, of course, during mid-fermentation, it should uh, just scream at you. Interesting. Well, that smells like a Hefeweizen. So <laughs> it's always a great start. Smells like banana. Yeah. Good. Good. Oh, yeah. Nice or clove. Nice clove. A yeah. little bit of banana. <laughs> so, I love a good Hefeweizen. So I'm the other way. I'm typically not wheat beers. And, and it's weird to me that another one of my favorites, whenever you said, you know, oh, showcase a couple of things that you like. Like, honestly, there's a lot of good things on tap, but these three, I, I feel like I've really nailed them. <laughs> so um, it's weird to be the guy that never drinks wheat beer other than a decade ago drinking Vian Stefano like it was water. Yep. Uh, now I'm like, ah, I don't really drink wheat beer that much. And this beer is 80% wheat. It's so much wheat. I had one of those on draft the other day at, at King Jug. They had, I haven't uh, had King Jung yet. No, King they had Vian uh, Stefaner yeah. there because they, they didn't have any of their own beer yet. Gotcha. <clears throat> they just opened, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the brewer and the owner said they should have beer in about a week and a half or two from when I was there. So about when this drops, nice. um, they should have beer of their own. Um, but I believe their, old, their brewer, one of them, is from Blackacre. So it's the old head brewer from Blackacre. That's cool. It's, I mean, local keeping local. Like, people, as long as people, like, disrespect everybody, it's just note to everyone in the brewing industry, just be nice to other brewers. Just don't be a just dick. Just don't be a jerk. Yeah. Uh, 
Whoa. Tons of cloven. So. If it's going to scream at me more, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to notice it even more. There's going to be, you know, no carbonation. It's, it's at the tail end of fermentation on the other one. But this one is done, done, and it's. It's, it goes really well in the sake of spice for me, because I love spice, but some people want, like, I, I tried to shoot for an equal event, so you have to stress your yeast either under pitching or your temperature sway. Basically, I, I think it's low is spice, I, I have it in my notes, low is spice and high is banana, and then if you do the other way around, but then you stress the yeast, you end up at this perfect middle ground. It, it seems like you're always chasing something, but as long as you have the body of the base, body of the beer, great. And you pitch at right temperature and hold it, you do great. So I, I'm that's another one where I'm just happy about this one. It's kind of loud, but I I, I really love the taste of this because that that banana that clove really both shine through. I'm a big fan of banana, and so that's one of the reasons I love a hefeweizen is is that taste. And this one really has that uh, the the appearance of it. Again, it's just clean. Yeah, like. I think that's one of the things that have stuck out to me about all of these is how clean they are. Yeah. Because you just don't you don't get that everywhere. And I've, how, so how how yeah. does that happen? How do you make that happen? So a lot of it is in I mean it as best I know, a lot of it is in cleanliness, just in general brew house cleanliness. Yep. And your sanitizing and cleaning schedule. Everything's gotta get caustic. Uh, whenever I came here, some tanks needed redone, took them down to the ground. I mean, it was basically just standing bones. Everything got a scrub in caustic wash, acid, neutralized it, put it back together, then did a cleaning cycle of caustic, nitric acid, wash. You just end up do doing so much cleaning. I tell everybody that, like, the brewing job is not the brewing job you want. It's 50% cleaning, uh and let's say 20% packaging. That 30%, yeah, that's the brew days. Those are great. But the rest of it is like making sure that you don't hit any problems along the way. That's why you get big enough that you just get to do the fun part and you make other people clean. I am not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is like punchy, which is nice. Like Matt said, huge notes of clove and banana, some yeasty uh, kind of profile going on but i do really love the like viscosity of this beer it feels thicker than it probably is yeah but that to me it would pair great with some of the foods like uh maybe like a fish and chips or something like oh, that oh yeah i'm so i i've toyed several different ways with it trying to put it on something but this to me would you know your your fried foods or like nachos like you get a big old plate of like jalapeno and chicken nachos and whatnot oh, yeah, all there. Yeah, that'll kill the jalapeno flavor yeah. too, or like the heat. Yeah, it'll hold on to it in a different way, and then you just get all these flavors left and then flavors right. It's not trying to stomp one another out. It just goes up, 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 just like yeah. a stairmaster. What made me think it would be good with like a fish and chips is the lemon you would put on the fish and Ooh. chips most of the time. So it's got that little acidity that would hit nicely with this like spicy, spicy yeah beer. Yeah. Oh. And it's not uncommon to order, you know, if, if you order a wheat beer with a slice of orange or a slice of lemon, it especially if it's heavier, 
like it's got a little bit of like weight to it. This is, you know, mid ground. I shoot for whatever I can in between. Um, but the finish is crisp and it just leaves your palate like, oh, I just had some spicy banana bread. Yeah, it, do, it does have that like bready thickness for lack of uh, more educated terms, but it just feels like you're eating a bready cookie. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's got all those German flavors that you're looking for. Uh, the only thing I feel like, <clears throat> please knock me down. Like if you got something well, that's missing, tell me. I want I was to finish say, this. It, it's hard for me because it's not like I sit around drinking Hefeweizens all the time. So when I say something, it's probably going to sound stupid, but <laughs> in my brain, it sounds legit. Stupid. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that too. Um, but like almost like there's like a, a missing of like a crispness to the back. Okay. Like. Does that make sense? So like he needs it, to lager it. <laughs> there's almost like it, like the clove and banana are like still very super heavy as as it's going down, and I don't know why. I just feel like with some of these, maybe there's a a little bit of a crispness to it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I could be completely talking out of my ass, but no. I don't know why. That's when I think of a hefeweizen, I think of that that on the back end. That there's just something like I don't know missing from it. Gotcha. It all told, I could probably with this next batch push the carbonation up too, and that would just carbonation is carbonic acid, so they would change the acidity and bring it to a brighter point at the end. Just that could help with that, or sometimes it's the timing and the packture, uh, uh, packaging of the yeast. So if they're making all these flavors, um. Most of the flavors you get in a beer are within the first 48 hours of fermentation. Just like right when they start going, they just make all these characters and, you know, first starts of alcohol and everything. But whenever they do that, you could also, it could blow off and you end up with something that's less. This, I feel, is more concentrated. I was able to capture a lot of those aromatics to the end. But maybe a better version would be to, you know, blow off through with CO2 and extract some of that off so it's not so heavy on flavor this is where i wish i had um weisengut weisengut's like my, i love weisengut yeah, yeah is my favorite one so i wish we had it here so i could drink it and then at least know like well because it 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 reminds me of it mm-hmm. a lot and so you had asked a question earlier about like drinking a beer and thinking like ah it's just missing something it's like yeah. that's how i feel about this like yeah. there's something on this back end that it's like it just feels like it's missing but I'm not smart enough from the brewery world to know what that is. I haven't had a Weisengut in probably two or three months now. Um, I think I got it right at the turn of the season. I'm glad that they make that. I think that's a year round for them now, I think it's a house beer, yeah. I'm so happy about that. They just... Anyway, that that is my favorite wheat beer. And it's not that I was trying to emulate it with this, but saying that, I'm... I'm definitely not going to shy away from buying one this coming week. So, man. I, I just I feel like the, it has the exact same flavor profile. Yeah, and that's we can what share. I want. We yeah. can share yeast too. It could be like a lot of this is like as long as you use a good quality wheat, but then the yeast is making so much of this flavor. Like that that banana that clove doesn't exist. I didn't put bananas or cloves. Same thing. That's all that yeast flavor, and none of it came from the grain. So <clears throat> this feels a lot like. You, we talked about Ryan from Kis, uh, Kismetic earlier. Yeah. But he made a banana nut bread hef 
that was out of this world. <laughs> but this is on that direction. So it feels like if you were to have some sort of like a big sugary bite to this, it could almost hit that banana nut bread as opposed to banana nut spice. Yeah. Banana nut and then like, it's almost like a latte, right? No coffee or milk, but it drinks a little like two minutes after it just goes, please have another sip versus like, <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, like, I just want to keep drinking it. Yeah. I, like it is, it is really good. <laughs> really good. I, I do like this. So I do have to ask because yeah. I, I did, uh, while you were grabbing that beer, I did <laughs> look up on untapped. Yes. And what so, is my worst? <laughs> did uh, you see some of my well, worst? So, I mean, you know, that's kind of one of those small problems is like, you know, everything has been around for as long as it has. Right. And so it's hard to say, like, what would be, you know, quote unquote, your worst versus right. are you bringing it up? Yes. From maybe it being lower. But I, I did want to ask, like, how much how much time do you spend or probably a bad way to ask it, but how often do you look at untapped and see what people are saying that maybe then makes you rethink how you brew the next one? Um, in a form of, I'll, I'll give one example though, the Maui IPA that is apparently on. Mm-hmm. seems like quite a few people dislike that one. And it seems like it falls more towards the hoppy side. And that was like the people who actually wrote something that seemed to be their biggest you know, quote unquote issue with the beer was it's very hoppy. The bitterness is overtaking the right. other flavors. So how do you, as a brewer, take that versus what you're looking to make? Because like if you're happy with it, how do you how do you take what they're saying and then maybe elevate it or change it? Like to me that that seems like it would be very, very difficult. Right, especially if you're very happy with something, and the public is just like, "I don't like this at all." It it's more in house. So untapped is one note, and then in house, I would say, would be the other four out of five. What do you mean by in house? So we have a system of sinbacks. If if there's ever a problem with a beer, just tell me why. It's fine. You can say I don't like it, or it tastes like this. It tastes like that. Not enough this. Too bitter that. Fine. There's Does that this- happen a lot? Not really, okay. but there's enough of it that there's a short log, you know. Uh, being a restaurant, there's a lot of turnover of tables and food, and, you know, people are getting beers with dinner. So I probably see it more often than a lot of small brew pubs do. Uh, but you got to take it with a grain of salt, too. There, there are some people that are just, they come in there and they're not happy. So <laughs> my sandwich sucks, my beer sucks, my life sucks. That happens. But if someone's specific and says, hey, the Maui has too much lingering bitterness, you know, they may use similar words to that. Like, okay, cool. So that means the next iteration, if I have five or six of those within that batch's iteration of a month, you know, five weeks, whatever that time frame for that beer is, then I'm going to probably adjust the IBUs and just toy with it. And if it strays far enough from the original, we'll redo the menu. It's not completely out of thought to do like the previous iteration of the Maui was a sugar bomb. It was a lactose lactose passion orange guava IPA that it was it was just heavy. It just I I don't think people were asking for that and nor you know you, you end up with people that like 
maybe we're moving too fast and not too many people knew that there was lactose in it, or at least they did not think to ask if it said milkshake, you know, not the connection, just the flavor, not milk in it. Um, but this version has pineapple and mango, and to me, the pineapple is a little too loud, so next iteration is dialing that back and finding the right zone in there, but it's it, it, it is a struggle. Uh, I will say that, but there's I take more solace in someone telling me that in person, because one to two nights a week I'll go over and uh, just have my dinner over there and just kind of talk to people, see like what beers they get, what do they do, and a lot of the times people are just like, eh, it's good. No other descriptors, just... <laughs> Good beer. So, how much okay. of that, in specifically untapped, but yeah. even in in house, how much of that do you think is a lack of education for people and their like ability to understand that there's different styles of an IPA? Yeah. There's because now I feel like people associate the original or standard IPA with the citrus forward hazy style right. because that's what you see everywhere. So people who just got into the beer game really started drinking IPAs have zero clue that 10 years ago, 100 IBU was low. Yeah, Arrogant bastard. I love arrogant bastard. Well, shit, 120, yeah. 90. Like, yeah. th- that that stuff, two, 300 IBU, your tongue can't distinguish the difference after, like, 120 anyway. Palette Wrecker from yeah. Green Flash. That was so, but ridiculous. Nobody remembers that. Now we've shifted so far away from that where there's, like, damn near zero IBU in some of the IBAs that are on the right. market that that's what they've narrowly focused in on the word IPA, connecting it to Treehouse and Trillium, where it's, or even 450, and those right. people here, where it's just fruit. Right. And it's a little bit of a bitterness on the back end. So it's hard to reposition yourself as a traditional IPA. Even if you add some fruits, a traditional IPA is still going to be bitter. Right. Because that's what it's supposed to be, because originally they were made to ship. Yeah. So they hopped the shit out of them so they would ship fine. Right. Vitamin C solves all, I mean, most problems. Uh, but yeah, like the, the house IPAs we have are somewhere in the range of 60 IBUs. Like that's and, high nowadays. And that seems, yeah, it seems high-ish, but I'm also, it it's hard to explain to people on a quick draw, too. If people are coming in and they want to talk beer, oh, I'll sit down and we'll talk beer. But if they just are like, oh, I'm, I'm here with my family, I just want a beer, and they order one and they don't think it's the right one for them, I'm going to make it right, but I'm not going to be able to catch them in the education sector. Yeah, for and, sure. And that's not always, you know, it's not always going to be the case that I can save or salvage anything about beer education. Sometimes someone just has tied on to a word that they want to enjoy. IPA, I like IPAs. Yep. Or the same with sours, too, like... When the Belgianic sours came in their American wave, they were very acidic, and some people did not understand that, like, backside or wood softening, and then the soft sours came in, the kettle sours, and then you have pastry sours coming on top of that, which technically are sour, but might have, like, one drop of lactic acid in the whole batch, uh, it's more of a dessert in the same sense, where people say, oh, yeah, I like sours, okay, hang on. What type of sour? Yeah, where are we at on this sour yeah. world? Yeah, what's going on here? Dude? Because I love a true fooder, like, yeah. punch me in the mouth, yep. like, tingle back here in your jaw yeah. sour. But, I mean, I don't hate on some of the fruited sours. Right. Now, 
we really dislike the like 99.9% eh, fruited sours where you can't taste any of the residual like sour. Oh yeah, I want to taste the sour. If I ask for a sour, I want the sour. But that's the same concept. You're right. Yeah. You've been they've been stuck on the fact that it's an IPA. Yeah. So sadly, you're in a situation at this location where they're probably not going to sit and like listen to you be an educational sounding board. But like a small brew pub, I think has the ability to do that. Right. I don't see it very often. And I'd like to see more of that. Uh, King Jug was talking about making four doing flights of IPA, but it's the same base recipe with different hops. Yes. And doing flights like that, perfect. where they would explain what the hops do like that is perfect. Yes. I can't tell you how many people are like, I don't like stouts. I'm like, you drink coffee every day. There is a stout out there for you. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but you're going to drink it, and you're going to like it. But because you've had Guinness once, you yes. think that's every stout in the world. Well, I tell you, that's actually basically lager. <laughs> and it's back-blended with 3% sour beer, which is why it finishes very dry. Yep. So you're just like, what? It's just not the stout that you should start with if you want to try stouts. Now, I love a good Guinness, but the problem is... You can't get very many good Guinnesses here. Right. True pours. You got to go to the Irish pubs you know and Irish pubs you trust with but, good Irish taps. But now I'll be in Ireland in September, so I'll get some good Guinness. Oh, man, I'm jealous. <laughs> That's going to be good. It really and, does taste different there. And I'm planning to go to their... Uh, their brewery? Well, the brewery, but they have the, like, test brewery, too. Oh, yeah. They oh, have this, like, about this. unique test brewery where they do other things that you can't get anywhere but there. And you have to buy, like, passes to get in that day. Huh. But totally doing that. The wife yeah. doesn't even drink beer, and I'm like, we're doing that. We're doing it. I don't you, feel like that was there when I went. It's yeah. newer. I just I don't know how say, new. I went in 2010. Yeah. And we it's did been, the, It's been a few years. We did the tour. Yeah. <laughs> we did the tour of the place, and that was pretty cool. The uh, Pilsner Urkel just did, recently did the same thing. They have a side brewery that makes funky, weird stuff, but they can't use... The name because yeah. just it's tied to the tradition. We can't sully it at that point. Yeah, it's like, that's why Side Project created Shared. Yep, same concept. Yep. But Everything on the side. So uh, bouncing back to you're getting into the industry. Yes, um, I love Great Flood. First off, they have an awesome logo. Yeah, and I went there when Art they Deco. first opened. When I worked for Bottoms Up, I was down there walking around 2013, 2012, uh, give or take. Or Christmas 2014. Yeah, so I don't even think the doors were open the first time I went there. I just saw a brewery and went, Hi. oh, it's unlocked. Yep. Hey, how's it going? And went in there, and two of the owners or one of the owners was there, and I chatted for a while. But just the craziness that they were this super small place. Tiny, but tiny spot. Produced great beer. It's it's. It's weird that they, whenever they upscaled to a warehouse and then they did deliveries there, they were able to produce a lot more, like, consistent beer in that set. But it it's so strange because I used to call it the free pizza bar before I worked there because I would show up there one night and just, like, order some beer. And because they have carry-in, you know, BYO food license, they come in... Uh, it would be inevitable. It would be one time in a month, and I would be, you know, driving back to New Albany at some point, which is just over the river, yep. and I'd go like, oh, I'll have a pint or two. On my second pint, someone just goes, hey, we couldn't finish our pizza. Do you, <laughs> do you want it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. That happened half a dozen times in between the time I first went there 
and the the time I got hired. So well, now just, you're almost screwed because yeah. nobody can give you cheese. So well, yeah, we'll see what I, I don't know what's triggering it, but we'll find out. Um, but yeah, so how did you get started there, yeah. and then uh, really, what made you leave there? Yeah. And anything else that you want to talk about there? Because sure. it's a cool brewery. If you've not been, definitely get down to Louisville and check it out. And they got a location on the East End now. It's right. Um, Shelbyville Road. It's way out on the East End. Okay. Uh, it's like restaurant first, where the other option is, you know, BYO food. Um, but I mean, it's, I don't know. The owners have always treated me nice. Um, Matt has been like a, a father to me, essentially. Um, in fact, whenever I got this position here, I'll, I'll keep, I'll, <laughs> I'll stop drawing lines here. Uh, I, I auditioned to be a bartender there. They were like, yes, good person. Yes, <laughs> you are good. Yes. I was working at a vegan place at the time and just wanted to be more around beer and it kind of worked. And then I thought the way the brewery was going that I was further from, you know, the actual brew side. And so I got a position at the, you know, basically washing kegs, always the cellarman job, right? <laughs> uh, and then eventually it came to be, oh, well, you know, I'm brewing this. Do you want to learn about it? Joel, the brewer at the time, was just like, hey, you're here anyway. Just come over here and learn this. Come over here and learn this. And eventually it was, you know, you get to a place where, how do I can operate all this stuff? This feels weird. <laughs> like, I shouldn't know how to do this. I shouldn't be able to brew a batch of, at that point, 30 barrels by myself. That feels like, you know, outside of it. But then uh, the options came for a couple of other I, I was offered a brewership at another brewery. Um, it just didn't work out for timing and um, for what that was. And and then I worked in the brewery for Fall City. Okay. And another cool brewery. Yeah. Right? Same spot, to, or same, not the same feel, but like I was drawn to it because I go, all right, that's good beer. Let's see what that spot is. And then they opened their little tap house. And my friend Guy was just like, yeah, you should work here. It's really cool. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> they bought uh, Tin Man, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, full, full circle, uh, Joel, the uh, old head brewer for Great Flood. Was the Tin Man North? Was for Tin Man. I don't know which location, but I know, I, I think he was in Evansville at that time. Okay. But he was brewing for them, and you're just like. That's... Tin Man North, I believe, stole the brewery the brewer from yeah tin man so i think i think we have i think we've had joel on the podcast yeah no way yeah (laughs) because you said that my brain was was like we don't have any of those episodes anymore but we had tin man north on and it was the owner and the brewer okay and it and i'm pretty sure they talked about he was the brewer at evansville and then moved up to to become their brewer and this was around the time that tin man was the, being the purchased being by Fold. Purchased, the yeah. fold-in kind of thing. Yeah. And they were, like, kind of just on their own. They weren't part of the cell. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I have no idea what happened to that afterwards, but. I just I it, think they went under. Well, it it got absorbed, let's say. Ah. It, they found it. They got what was there. It didn't feel like they could operate both of them, and then it just. Uh, well, they probably bought it for all the ridiculously expensive equipment that yes. Tin Man bought because Very some much so. billionaire put as much money as possible into their equipment. When you put all your lottery money into a brewery, yep. you get a great brewery. Yeah, yeah. They had like that 
crazy filtration system that uh, this not the centrifuge the press or whatever the or am I thinking of it? I think it was. The I think it was. The it was? Okay. Yeah, those are a hundred grand. Yeah, just, yeah they, they had, had like one. something. They were like that one like, of the only ones in the state that had one. Well, Nobody it was like does. something. If I remember right, it was something that like AB InBev would use. Yeah, but not like a like Sun King of their doesn't size. even have one. <laughs> yeah, like not a brewery of their yeah. size would ever use. The 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 option for this is just like they had so much awesome stuff too. That Joel was just like, yeah, everything was just. Like, you'll never work at another brewery again and think anything is, you know, on yeah. the up and up because everything was just pristine. You couldn't believe it. Small world. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so from False City, what was your next move? So that was – it It didn't work out at False City because I had my hand in too many pies like, like anyone does. Like, oh, I'll work here. I'll work here two days a week, two days a week, two days a week. And then you end up you're working nine days a week and it doesn't make sense. Uh, so I went back. I stayed at Great Flood, split my time between uh, assistant brewing and uh, tap room. Long story short, during COVID, I um, <laughs> I became the the short term GM for their restaurant because they needed. They were like, "We don't have anybody. Can you please help?" Yes, sure. Uh, again. It worked out well for the time, but whenever the time came up, I just said, this is not comfortable. Can I please go back to what I was doing? Yes, yes. So owners are super cool. They were like, we'll find somebody. I don't it's like okay. people. I like hiding back. Yeah, <laughs> I like, well, I like people, but in bar sense, I don't like manipulating people on a workforce. It yeah, just hard feels, pass. it's hard. I'm I don't not like a manager. It. Yeah. Like, I can manage me. That's about, that's, I, and I, I barely have trouble me. with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I, I did that there, and then my partner and I were living separately. Uh, she, um, We were dating for a long time, and we wanted to move back in together, but she had moved out for the sake of college. It was like the right person, the right time in college. So she was up here, and then we were like, oh, no, we got to find a place, and eventually found a house in Irvington. Okay. And when we threw a number at the wall, it stuck, and we were like, oh, this is happening now. Okay. So I immediately was Guess like... Guess this is my house now. Yep. This is my house. I need to find a job now. <laughs> and it just flung on and Ash and Elm stuck and everybody there is super awesome. But as I got more gut tests going, it was like, hey, come back to beer and this and that. I've always been the the person that if you're brewing that day and you need somebody to mash out or like grain out, just call me. It's fine. I'm... Weirdly, I'm a certified personal trainer on the side. So if anybody knows on that, it's just like, we get kind of nuts. If I go to the gym, I might be there two hours. But graining out is also the same thing. <laughs> I was going to ask if you got jacked from tuba or... Well, that did help, too. <laughs> I, uh, I also was thinking you don't look like a tuba player. I don't feel like a tuba player. I haven't played well in years. But I could still play. I could not play well. Uh, so was this high school or college for that i taught percussion for about eight years um and that was end of high school straight into uh i guess about like five years ago or something like that um i stopped because it, it didn't really pay the bills but it also like it was such a good time but i found the wrong schools and the band directors would change and things would not quite work out for tuba it was I went out there to audition for percussion, but since I had played some tuba in high school, uh, I was at Northern California Mandarins. Okay. Uh, 
and the finals are here in Indy. So it's kind of cool as far as the drum corps circuit. If you haven't been to a show, it's the first full weekend in August. And, you know, pay 60 bucks and see the greatest performers from age 18 to 21 yeah, we, blow your face off. So I worked at Avon for years. Nice. And Avon High School yep. is like top, top, top tier yep. band, marching band. It like wins nationals and whatnot. Yep. Uh, so I've been to a few of them because we would be the host of, or like the some of the merch stand for Avon yeah. for a while. But it's insane just the amount of time these kids put into the drum lines and the marching and like, shit, I swam through college and did as much work. Mm-hmm. But you guys do it outside. And, yeah. and I was going to say, did, I'm, I'm married to a, a former band person. Yeah. And uh, her sister was drum major, I think is what they call mm-hmm. them, the the yeah one of for, those for Carmel for <laughs> yeah for Carmel when they they won yeah uh, ah. but listening to to her tell me about like what they went through I played football in high school and I thought two days were rough in the middle of July nope. just absolutely nothing every day to, like what she would say and I'm like how how do you all live but like you, you just make it into your life and then. The, the problem is, I say problem, but you meet some of the greatest people who are also going through the same thing, and then practices become, oh, it's just uh, you know three hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then it's, oh, it's just Friday through Sunday, and then you get Monday through Thursday free. And then you sign up for this, and you go, it's every day for three to four months. No breaks. For six hours. For, for <laughs> out, well, the longer. It's usually 12 broken up into three to four blocks. Yeah, pass. But then you get so good at one thing, you get hyper specific, and then like whenever I would wake up coming back from it, going into beer, you just go like, I have to do something, and I have to do something so determinedly, I cannot not do it. And so, thanks, drum corps, you made me a brewer. (laughs) (laughs) Moral of the story is, you may not do drums, right? (laughs) So, as a as a brewer, yep. At what point do you do you take a beer that you're brewing? and say it's perfect like uh i guess let me kind of get this example off my head at some point sun king and the cream ale was just there it is we're done yes and it seems like every big brewery or a lot of breweries just kind of hit that point where it's like all right this is it we're gonna brew it every single time what is that goal like what is the end point that you have to reach for there to be that where the recipe is perfect and we're just going to run this every time? And, you know, obviously there can be mess ups in the process itself. But yeah. like outside of that, this is what we're going to do every time, no matter what is on untap, no matter what is on sendbacks, something like that. Right. So I, I think that comes down to like my personal preference is not necessarily what a brewer, brew house would make regularly. So a brewery, like say where I'm at now, Fork and Ale House, if I make something that I'm completely satisfied with, but it's playing on my funky nature, say if I make, you know, there's a slot opens up and I make a Cezanne that just has a lot of funky phenolics to it, but the house doesn't enjoy it and it doesn't move, there's kind of a fine line there where if it's not selling at all or if it's selling so low that we're going to lose the freshness of that beer, that's when you got to stop. You can't make something outside that bounds. Other way, 
there is Hopping Hound, which is just a classic IPA pale ale um, recipe. It's, you know, what, uh, just very citrusy but clear. Like, um, it, it's a good IPA to have with food. It's not overpowering, but it's not underpowering. That, after, I would say, two iterations, I found it to be just, got it. That's great. And then I would go, I would drink this. And then I talked to the IPA drinkers on staff, back to IPA drinkers, the people that you know understand at least a, a form of that style. Um, just, oh, yeah, I, I drink that. Okay, cool. I think the golden point for a, say, kitchen and brewery is when the, let's say, when the staff orders more than one after a shift. You know, their shift is over. They've turned their shirt inside out and whatever. They buy more than just their shifty of one beer, that's a good beer. It's actually uh, the question that I go, that I ask whenever I go someplace, yeah. especially new, mm -hmm. I will ask the server, the bartender, whatever, if you were getting off work right now, yep. what beer would you drink? Did yep, you just perfect. say, what's your shifty? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I don't know that lingo. But, uh, but that, and it has never failed me because yeah. they will tell you exactly what is good. Like, there could be a beer on there that it just misses and that is not like bad. It's not like diacetyl or anything right. like that, but they're not going to steer you towards that. And they're not going to, they're not really going to also ask the questions of, well, what's your favorite beer? What kind of, you know, cause like for people like us, that that's, that question doesn't solve anything. Right. You it's, know, what style do you like? All of them. Right. What kind of beer do you prefer? All of them. Like, <laughs> I just want to know what you like here. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. When people like us go into a place, they're like, what do you normally drink? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Thanks. Like, I drink a lot. I just, yes. I need you to tell me what's good here. Yes. Because I'll start there and then I'll try the other stuff. Right. But I want to start with, well, I've actually faded into starting with uh, like a Pilsner's or a lager yeah. or Great. a half. Great choice. Well, because generally, not all the time, but generally, if they can make that well, they can make the other styles well. Blonde and lagers. Like if you got, if someone says I have a pilsner on tap and I've got a blonde ale on tap, get both of them and see what they do. Blonde being an ale or a Kolsch, you know, a pseudo lager type. If they can make that, that's a good brewery. They'll they'll work from the bottom up from there. I have that yeah. same exact theory, but it's for uh, English beer. So like if you you make like a uh, a, a mild ale. Or, you know, like other kind of like a, like an ESB or, you know, something like that. Like, I know it doesn't happen a lot, but like if you do and it and you nail it, like I just kind of feel like you're not going to mess anything. You're not going to mess the rest of them up because those you, have to be hard. You say this and I don't know. Have you all spoken to Tara over at Black Circle yet? Not yet. Not yet. You okay. asked us about that. So, yeah, you you should. And this is my recommendation to speak with her. I We did a brew in together uh, of a collab that was kind of just something we wanted to do and i didn't have tap space open and she did and it worked out great i don't know how well it's sold what but was it, was, it? it's an english dark mild 3.9 oh. percent chestnutty just that's yep. my jam it like, was good i wonder if it's still on tap honestly and i just feel like every time i've had one that is really good and then you try some of the other beers i'll be there thursday hit. yeah yeah no they go there no, I, I literally we go there we're going there thursday for uh pinball 
Nope. So they have uh, DCC or uh, Dungeon Crawl Classic, which is my wife does like uh, Dungeons and Dragons types of things. Sounds awesome. They host once a month some sort of a thing like that. And this one is like super science fiction themed. Um, but it's my wife's thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go. There's beer it's and good beer. I can kill people in a game. Yes, that sounds great. <laughs> like and there's done. also the video games. And I'm a big uh, pinball head. So I'm always in the back room. I've just. I don't know, two pints and playing some video games, it just kind of blows off steam. Especially, I'm always frustrated on, like, I think they're closed on Mondays. So I, I'll have, like, Everybody's a, closed on a Monday. It's the worst. And then I just have a long brew day, and I'm like, ah, it's 8 o'clock. I guess I'll go buy Black Sabbath. Oh, no! And then I, I'll plan my beer day later on that week. Well, do we want to try the yes. Hefeweizen? Absolutely. So, the let me... Warm Hefeweizen? <laughs> warm the Hefeweizen? The hot Hefeweizen? Warm warm, warm Hefeweizen? Uh, I've got uh, two options, and cut this out if you don't need to, but I've also got some homebrewed sake, if, if you want to add that I'm to down. It's not beer, but it's close. But we it's do not. ciders, and we do wines, and we're, I mean, I'm not scared. All right, cool, cool. But I just, I, other point, just being like one of those homebrew things, this is a, something I've been working on separate, so it's not there. But let's do the warm of ice in first. Okay. So this is warm of ice, and it is 65 degrees. It has one to two degrees Play-Doh left, so there'll be a little bit of sugar left. Um, beers usually finish, I mean, I want to say usually, but like two to four Play-Doh, depending on their final gravity. So speaking of Play-Doh, yes. how, like, what percentage of people do you think use Play-Doh versus uh, specific gravity, right? Yes. I prefer specific gravity, but because all of Europe uses... Um, you know, bricks, Play-Doh, and then all the wine industry and the cider industry all use it. Beer is the only one that ends up with the 1.000 series. Uh, we're kind of the nutters out. Uh, let's say we're using the standard system and the world yeah. is on metric. Well, because we, my company does both yeah. in the system because we work with Canada and they use Great. Play-Doh. Yeah. So we, I'd say like... 30% of people in the U.S. that I've worked with have used Play-Doh. The rest have used Specific Gravity, but I, I mean, they could be way higher than that. But and, and that is that specific to breweries? Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, that, that number sounds about right. I think breweries are two to one uh, uh, Specific Gravity, but if they ever have to deal with, say, barrel aging or, like, large percentages, like uh, an Imperial Stout might start at, you know, the starting gravity might be 1.150... And explaining that, the reduction down to 1.020, wouldn't it be easier to be like, oh, uh, 16 down to 4, or 16 down to 6? It would be. so much easier. In America, we don't like to make things easy. We don't. 10 system. Why does that not work? <laughs> why can I, I not... Why am I in barrels instead of hectoliters? What right? is going on? We offer hectoliters, too. Oh, um, well, that's but, good to know. The uh, the other question that comes to mind, and that's only because I talk about it every day, is when you pitch yeast, yep. are you using liquid or are you using bricks? I use bricks now, but I do weigh out and for viability. I don't really have the best you know lab series here, but I will if it's a new yeast I haven't tried, I will prop it up, make sure that it's there's no large lag series that I'm not mistaken on. So I'll you know I'll put it in proper temperature and get it up to. And then if there's like a four-day lag, one, I probably screwed up. But <laughs> but two, 
maybe I don't want to play with such a temperamental yeast. So I, knowing what I do and what I have to create, it has to stay within a box. I'm getting some more. I, I love Lutra Kvike. Okay. I'm getting a sample of that um, for this scale. I want to say Thursday, something like that, uh, just to make very clean, faster fermenting beer, but without providing this like orange or estery character of the typical, you know, Kvike strains that are orange and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, generation your yeast? So like multiple pitches? I wish that I had storage to do that. I, so I'm, no yeast brink, I take it? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> you I, could use a keg, I guess, but... I technically do, but like then you're stressing out that yeast because it's under pressure yep. and the time and you'd have to degas it three to four times a day. And then I do have a brink, but I use it as a cleaning cycle. Okay. So it more or less gets attached to a pump and that gives me 15 gallons of cyclical cleaning fluid, whatever that be, you know, nitric or caustic, whatever that is. But that that works better for me now. I just wish... There are so many things one wishes as a brewer, right? It's like, oh, I wish this was easier. I wish this was more efficient. I wish, it, you know, my direct fire would go uh, mid-stove, not center stove. All all very, very specific things that are unnecessary. But in reality, I would love to be able to brew on the right schedule to go, yes, I'm making five barrels of blonde. Let me pull off the center cone, yep. set that aside, and say it's early this week. You know, whenever I brew that again and pitch uh, within 72 hours of that same style or something similar, you know, I'll pitch the same, that London very clean arc of blonde or, you know, of yeast and then just be able to bounce it back two, three uh, previous gener- previous breweries. We'd go up to seven generations. Yeah, we've I see like seven to ten. Yeah. I have some guys that are splitting, so they're getting like 30. But it's a super strange. I don't know what they're doing, so I don't know the process there. But I think we've lost Matt. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> no, what the okay. fuck you two are talking about. <laughs> nerding, <laughs> nerding a little nerding. bit. Yeah, You're talking uh, about bricks of yeast and. But yeah. so back to this here. Yes. Um, I can smell the sugar in it, yep. which is interesting. Um, and, and it, it does. It looks like Matt's drinking orange juice. Yeah, it's definitely milk, milky it, orange. Yeah, it's kind of got like a hazy. Oh, look to it. A haze of eisen? Look, it's a haze of eisen. You could release (laughs) this and make a new style. (laughs) Carbonate it right now. I got to dry hop the crap out of it, don't I? (laughs) They would never know. Ah, You can't can't taste the hops? You're right. One one doesn't taste hops. One tastes beer. As uh, a a friend of mine used to say, he said, you know, people don't like beer. They just like flavors. Like, that's... Okay, yes, but no. <laughs> like, I want to fight that, but also I've seen a lot of it of, damn it, that's kind of right. So you said this is in what tank? This is in fermenter, I'm trying to look FV3. over there. FV3. FV1. So then, how, and how much time does this have left before it is? I will be crashing this tomorrow morning. It will probably take a day or so, maybe up to two. I, the Half is weird. So the more you stress out the yeast the better flavor and smell you get. What do you mean by stress out the yeast? So a yeast, like people, like to be in a very temperature-dependent... Comfortable environment. Not not too hot, not too cold. You just set them at like, oh, just can you set the thermostat at 64? 
perfect, and then they'll just chug away, and they'll just exist as they are. But then, depending on the strain, if you're just like, I'm going to set this to 65, some of them spaz out and <laughs> die. <laughs> so then you get that version, or then they you turn it to 63, and 10% of them get too cold, and then they die. And you're just like, okay, great. So hef yeast like to be pushed, or at least, let's say, the flavors that people enjoy out of hefeweizen and beer is worthy of pushing things up and down, at least in temperature stands. So I usually take a couple days to crash, one to two, depending on what that is and what my glycol's like, how many tanks I have full, and I, I you know, can't can't use all of it all at once. To what temperature do you cold crash for something like this? Uh, generally to forty, because if it takes that much time, if it takes one to two days to like slowly arc down to forty. I feel comfortable about that. Um, there are some glycol systems that will take it from, you know, 65 to 38 in like six hours. I'm glad I don't have that because I think I would have to set a, a more traditional schedule with mine. I understand that it takes one to, you know, one to two days. So I set it to 40 and it will blend itself down slowly. Um, but then, you know, you get a troop cake of this unconscious or dead yeast on, on the bottom. And before I send it to Bright Tank, I can just boop, dump that right off. Nothing, no contact of autolysis, like dead yeast flavors, which are usually like bitter. Ever had just like really bad bread with like, or toothpaste, like bad bread and, and unflavored toothpaste. It leaves like a chemical flavor. I've had bad beer like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't that. want to, but I've no. had bad beer like that. No, no one wants it. And whenever you taste bad yeast, you'll never not taste bad yeast in a beer if it exists. Not that it's all beer, but you'll know the flavor of it. It's like licking powdered paint. It yeah. is just yeah. That and I've I've got a super soft palate or a super uh, like focused palate on diacetyl, and I hate that too. Yeah. God, this is such a good beer. Everybody else loves it, but I can taste this. Yes. I know it's there. Yep. I I'm, hate I, it. I figured out I'm sensitive to, we were talking about this the other day, THP, um, tetrahydropropanol. Don't get me wrong on this, but I'll explain it. It tastes like Cheerios. It tastes like huh. sweet, nutty, like a hint of honey. So certain things that should not have like honey or oats or a flavor like that in there, and they do... My mouth just goes, nope. What beer styles generally have that? Um, it is exposed to lactic acid bacteria that have not fully evolved. So you don't get like that PDO or lactic sour flavor. You just have it in the environment, which is another reason why I like closed environments for everything. Yep. So it's kind of crazy to me that what we're drinking here yep. is going to then turn into what we just yeah. drink before yes because like to me it's two completely different things mm -hmm. and like describe this one to me like what what's different about this um there's definitely less spice here but yeah. weirdly enough i would drink a carbonated version of this yeah i would not i don't know why i feel like it's a I don't like the mouthfeel to it. Yeah. It's a little bit thinner than the other one, which... That's because it's not carbonated. Right, well... <laughs> part of it. Hey, man, yeah. I don't know these things. That's part of why we call it dumbasses. If we got to change it to just one dumbass and one guy who now knows everything because he works at fucking Untapped. This is a long like, title. Yeah, like... <laughs> 
We can do that. This is but, a burial beer name. But I have no idea what, what we're doing here. I just know what tastes good and what doesn't taste good on my palate. But um, I don't remember what I was saying now. You got me off track. No, I was just wondering, like, what's different about this that is... It doesn't taste as flavorful. Gotcha. Like, the, the flavors don't pop like yeah. they do in the other one. Like, a little bit muted. And it's probably the yeast, I yeah. would imagine, um, is, is kind of not allowing a lot of that to come through. And it's it's just I don't know like you can tell what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but like if you gave this to me and didn't tell me that, I would honestly ask like what is wrong with this beer? Yeah, a lot of the <laughs> it tastes like my homebrews. <laughs> yeah, the the number of bad homebrews everyone's tried. I'm sure the uh, this so with that yeast being in suspension, like it's finishing out right. It's eating all the last of the sugars, and then it's going to fall unconscious or sleep or perhaps die um but you got to time that right where it ends up at the end this is blocking that malt character that's underneath that's that's what's missing yeah okay so it's 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 weird because a lot of those nose notes are bigger and you're just like oh that's kind of like whoa i kind of get because it's warmer also and just you're getting all the yeast notes but tasting it it's kind of blocking blocking the malt I really enjoy the nose, though. I don't know why. It's just like the residual sweetness that's still left in it just makes it smell that much more pungent. Banana cream pie. Yep. Just very, just, it just keeps producing. Like, if you kept this out warm, and if there's any living yeast still in there, of course, it's, you know, a little warmer out. It'll just keep producing those esters and those phenols. Well, it's non-phenolic. So but it's going to keep producing in our stomach? Let's just say it's a probiotic. <laughs> that's fair. Sure. It's a yeast. Yeah. All right. If I have to drink this every morning as my probiotic, fine. You sold me. So, I, yeah. what does the ABV change from now to finished product? Not very much. So it's at the tail end of fermentation. So it might be half a percent at most. Okay. So it's eaten most of that sugar. If there's anything there, it's just going to nibble away as that temperature crashes and kind of becomes solidified. And then we're going to beef up that body and balance for the acidity with carbonic acid and just kind of fill it out, you know, force, force it together. Yeah. Nice. Finish your Lego set. Yeah. You, you got, you got the, uh, 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 what is it? The Millennium Falcon. And then you're like, you almost finish it. And for some reason, Lego didn't give you like the last 15 pieces and the gunner slot is on crooked. And you're like, and then you just got to call the, company and two days later they'll just 48 hours you uh a new one a new gunner slot yeah <laughs> it's great uh the last thing i've got to taste is some homebrewed sake that i've made i made it last year i'm experimenting with some yeast this is a terpenic wine yeast so it's usually highly expression of like those white grape notes or a gooseberry let's say um this the is something i taste like gooseberries they, I don't think taste like geese. <laughs> do berries taste like geese, or did the geese taste like berries? I don't know. Although, speaking of berries, I ordered some magic berries, not weed, last <laughs> night uh, that are literally supposed to change any like sour or gross flavor into something sweet. Please try them. They're delicious. It's so weird. So I'm, my goal is to just bring on random beers and shit and be like, what does this do? 
try the worst beer you've ever had because if you drink lemon water, it tastes like lemonade. It's so yeah, like it just it just your we brain watched, just goes what we watched Shark Tank and I was like what yes all right need to order I ordered from a different company because fuck that forty eight dollar yes, nonsense no. that they're selling it for but it should be here tomorrow so no I highly recommend that and then you all if you, there's multiple you all should sit down and do a beer tasting before record it and then after same thing and go holy crap this is so weird well I wanted to do like blind tasting okay. for one of us like one of us just does it. And I'll taste what, like, if I don't take them, I'll taste it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Then we talk about what I tasted and then he tastes it. <laughs> Be like, wait, what? There's no sour in this beer. It's kind of just really big note of sweet. <laughs> just <laughs> sugar and fruit. <laughs> I'm interested. I want to try it on the wife. So, like, because she does not like beers because no matter what, I could give her the hate, like, the crazy 450s fruited nonsense. She's like, I still taste beer. I'm like, you're going to eat this berry no. and then take that. Has she ever tried any pastry uh, stouts? No, because she doesn't like coffee. She doesn't like the flavor at all of coffee. So I. What about like a blonde stout? Like a what is it? The that's talking our game right there. White stouts are our game. I I do like white stouts. So like the um, oh who's who's the uh, New Holland Bigsby? Oh well, New Holland makes the Dragon's Milk white. Right, Dragon's Milk White. I, I don't think she would try anything that said beer unless it was, like, bright red or pink. Or She's a cider and uh, wine drinker. Yeah, that's fine. I've that's, tried I mean, sours, but it's just not her game. I, not everybody does everything. But, to be so. fair, now good beer just stays in my refrigerator unless I drink it. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's not the worst thing. Come on. Then no, you I'm just not go, mad about that. No, oh, no, I don't have to share my good beer with everybody. <laughs> Uh, this one warrants a, a, a big squoosh, for sure. Let me go pop that open. So is this, are you focused on uh, cold sake, hot sake? So this, to me, does best at about 50 degrees. So you get that chilled all the way down, and then you let it sit for 10, 20 minutes, something like that. Okay. Because this is very dry. It's 10%. Um, I was going for a different ratio. So it's it's a little thinner, but it's a wild ride. So I'm going to go pull that up. This is a high terpene. What? It's it's not terpene positive. It is terpene enforcing. What is what is the proper term for that? Expressive. Terpene expressive. Okay. They files. Yes. It is. Um, so it brings out a lot of like the weird grape skin or uh, citrus notes that could be within there i don't know about you all but this has got for me because we joseph and i have tried this a while ago this has gotten a lot better like a lot better all it is has been aging in my basement but i (laughs) i get like funky blue cheese lemonade with a pear slice blue cheese that's a that's a good note um I was trying to place that like funky, soury, like acidic yeah. note, and it it almost reminds me of a turpentine. I think it's turp, not turpentine. Uh, what's the grape that they grow in uh, uh, Tennessee? Uh, uh, fuck, muscadine. Muscadine. <laughs> it has turpentine like a mu- is very yeah. different. Yeah. I was and like, I muscadine, like turpentine, drink turpentine. No. <laughs> uh, muscadine grape that has like this funky taste that you get into the wines most of them are sweet in tennessee but if you were to make a dry version it would be very similar to that yeah so it's definitely dry um 
Is this zero residual sugar? Nothing. Like, it ate everything. In <laughs> fact, I filtered out any leftover rice that would have been in there. It's just like... I, I don't know yet, because I keep thinking... Like, the old iteration was too... It was the same batch, but this is now rested three to four months, just at 60 degrees, cellaring, just chill. And it is now, like, a lot cleaner... And some of that funk is balanced out. But I'm still confused of whether this is what I was going for or not. <laughs> it is very wine-like, though. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess, to be fair, it's rice wine is what sake is. But yeah. it is very grape wine, almost, because you do get a lot of that, like, grape skin. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just... Honestly, it's better than half the sakis that I've tried. I was well, say, I've like produced sake so long that I don't know what sake even tastes yeah. like anymore. This but doesn't this, suck <laughs> the moisture out of my <laughs> mouth like some sakis I've had. Man, I would try some at the bar that I used to work at, and yeah. it would just be like, I need water. Yeah. Like, so badly. It, it's dry, but in that cheesy way. Like, you ate, like, a feta cheese, and it just kind of, like... Leftover. I I don't know. I don't know if this is what I wanted or not, but I, I, I do like it. It's 10%, so it's not as high as many others. They're normally 13 to 15%, so this is technically table sake. I'm not well-versed in sake, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know enough. I, I enjoy it. It's yeah. definitely interesting. It's a nice, like, almost middle ground between, like, a sour beer and wine wine. It's very... Yeah, there's, there's sour notes in there that just like it's almost a kettle sour of rice but not i know that this would be uh taboo but i almost think it would be interesting to try it carbonated no that's not taboo i think well at least in new america nothing's <laughs> yeah, nothing's that's taboo true. now you can dry hop it and call it a day oh god um, <laughs> that's it well then then i would just be i don't know if that would cover it up or express even more of these, would it just like, be hop maybe? water with alcohol at, at that a point? certain like, point we're just making a brute ipa yeah that's fair that's yeah, which, which disappeared. So. Try my still brute gluten free IPA. You said you wanted a handful, right? Ten <laughs> percent brute. Yeah, that's what it is. Just try my grape water. Yes. <laughs> Don't. I wouldn't. <laughs> Fermented grape water. Oh, that's just wine. Oh no 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 no! Like it's non carbonated. It's just grape water. But isn't? How about? Wait, hang on. <laughs> I think if you were to give people this and not tell them what it was, they would be very confused. Just not be able to pull anything. They should be like, oh, is this wine? Is this just fermented water? <laughs> Part of me just thinks like it has this kind of big front punch of lemon. Just like, would no one notice if I was just like, if this was lemon water from a dirty water gun? <laughs> but not like... It sounds terrible when I say that. You but just I'm pour like, vodka in and you get 10%? Yeah. It just, <laughs> it's what, like, oh, that's not water. Well, no, but it's so this, yeah. Could you make a collab with a cider location with a sake? I mean, I could. There there could technically, we've, eh, there's been talk of things. like Just putting it out in the open air here. Kojied fruit <laughs> or like, we, we've tried to do a collab before, honestly, um, for those not visible, uh, the Joseph head cider maker for uh, Ash and Elm is here. Uh, so he he and I have tried to do a collab before, but I had no the tap space did not 
open up. So now I was you have just a kegerator. Well, yeah, I, I do it for <laughs> home. Actually, I have done a collaboration for home. Uh, they have a dry hopped cider that I used again. I took the finished hops out of the cider and then I put them in uh-huh. a homebrew New England uh, secondhand hops. Turned out pretty good. Uh, you know, flat six percent hazy, very stable haze, like the most stable haze I've seen in anything. And I'm not sure if that had to do with the fruiting. Maybe the yeah pH. He says, I I don't know. It was just like and a lot of things. You know that if you set it in a keg, it will eventually. Most hazies will fall out in the period of like a month or two. I've had this on at my house for five plus months. Still hazy as hell, so huh. very stable. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I've had treehouse cans that fall off in a in a week. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good the week that you're drinking it, but so my final question yep. is always something that I'm that I'm going to just ask all the people that we interview, and it's Brief's if you boxing. didn't have well, that's a funny question too, but <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't brew here and you didn't brew your own beer at home yep what would be in your refrigerator as your go-to brewery go-to brewery and then go to beer so it could be both because the last answer was burial if it was stuff that you can't get all the time and then two-hearted or something like that that was all the time it was two-hearted yeah so yeah definitely burial if if it's things that i can just pull out of the universe that you know, may or may not exist in its current form. Anything from burial, I don't, I don't where, care what it where is. Where is the side project love? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's there. That it's would there. be. I mean, to be fair, now mine would be social project for sure because nothing. It's out of uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, and they everything was fantastic. But they had this uh, Savoy truffle that literally is the best beer I've had this year and maybe ever. I think I saw you all post about that. I need to try it. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck finding it. <laughs> Impossible, right? Uh, I actually got a bottle of their like member release bottle because yep. I talked enough not nerdy beer shit to the brewer while I was there. Yeah, that's that's how you do it though. You you just get to know the brewer. So like anytime you all are around and just like, Hey, is Mike around? Is he working on anything uh, pilot project wise? Yeah, weird yeah, stuff just back come there. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got any weird? Yeah, yeah, it's just anything weird. Um shoot. Accessible accessible okay people are gonna hate me for this like a lot course banquet well i mean that's <laughs> that's usually what i stock my fridge for like my future father-in-law and like anybody who comes over to the house it's usually course banquet or ash and elm cider or like uh lots of low fills oh gosh canning line <laughs> errors oops oops all errors some days uh Okay, accessible that I can find that I enjoy the product of that. See, this is hard for me to describe. I'm sorry to like ex- no. elaborate on this, but like, does that mean a seven out of ten, or does that mean a reliable ten out of ten? But that just it kind of changes how I would approach that beer. Well, the problem is how many ten out of tens are there, right? Like, oh, if like you're ha- truly rating ten out of tens, yeah. And on what scale does that fall? Because a burial 10 out of 10 is entirely different than like a beer brewing company 10 out of 10. They're right. just not on the same wavelength. They just yeah. do way different things. Right. I 
Okay, for this point in my life, for who I am and where I am and what I am and why I am, brewery, cosmetic is within biking distance of my house and Ryan has never let me down. There's nothing wrong with that answer. So, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's reliability for my fridge because he's only had the one release with uh, packs, but that is locale. Lo- local, not locale. It's you know real beer. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's sessionable. Yes, sessionable. That's that's the other good point. Is like I can go and have two to three in a medium time span and still bike in a great environment too. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Um, also, they've always been nice to me in the industry too, and he's always been just I don't know. If you want to nerd out, that dude will nerd you to the nerds. No, Ryan and Nicole, they just high five across the universe. Um, <laughs> But if I'm picking up something bottled from the store or canned, I'm like Rolodexing in my mind right now. I'm just going, do do I have that? Do I usually have that? Do I have that? Do I have that? Um, Okay. Two beers. One, Sam Adams. Mm -hmm. Boston Lager? Boston Lager. Even even the new one? Okay, I just had it. I did, do we do we want to get into a spirited debate about Boston Lager's new well, I, new dynamic? I haven't had it. I've not had I've the new one yet either. I wish I had one on me right now for us to taste, to go against, but it... It's, I've just seen the backlash. It's so weird because we had... Uh, it's Jim there. Yeah, so Jim on uh, one of our Zoom calls for work. We actually had yeah. Jim and Sam from Dogfish nice. on with the founder of Beer Advocate untapped and all the other beer nerds in the, the big, world. The, the big circle. And they were talking about that, and he was like, you know, I don't know if this was a good call or a bad call. We're like middle ground here. Yeah. I I thought it was going to be more like um, when BrewDog did their remix series. Taboo. Do what? Taboo on the BrewDog oh, yeah. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff went down that. Um but they did their, this is again, eight to ten years ago, they did a remix. Their, I can't even remember what their standard, I think it was just BrewDog IPA. And they just were like, hey, we remixed it, but it's the same thing. No. Was it Punk IPA? I think that's their, like, that was staple beer. I think they, that's, that's what they made Pink IPA and got in trouble for being like, ah, girls beer. Oh, that, yeah, too. <laughs> oh, God. Just so much wrong, and then the <laughs> local the, the, the problems with the local ones, and, and just oh, dude, man. it's like Florida man. If you Google Brewdog, yeah. <laughs> it's like Googling Florida man. Yeah, except the issue that like I want to like the two owners, especially whenever they did the original show. Yeah, that show was great. But how much did it translate? Because they worked with Against the Grain in Louisville, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do this barrel aged um, mint julep beer." being from louisville they did not release the same beer that they did in the show into the public they were they barrel aged it and released it six months later because it softened it out because no one wants minty barrel aged beer <laughs> yeah yeah so no, they like brushing your teeth before barrel aged out uh so there was that but then the one they released was like uh we just pushed it through a barrel but technically it was barrel aged like uh, you didn't know uh, this is the reason why I, I was looking at my phone here. It wasn't because I'm distracted. It was because I was looking at 
my words to a, <laughs> a fellow friend through Ash Nelm, I said, you know, they changed the recipe for Sam Adams, and I kind of like it better. Ooh. Little lighter, little hoppier. So that reminds me that the old version was a little bit like kind of a malt bomb with this hop era on top. Very English, but like yeah. slightly yeah. American. This is further American. This is more, honestly, I'm not sure why they didn't do this 10, 15 years ago, but probably because they had such a market share that they didn't need to. That would also explain why so many people do not like it. The IPA circle, again, just, uh, I, I don't want to hate on anyone or any education series, but, you know, when IPAs grow that fast, people are going to go, oh, that's the style. That's not the style. And just taste it, like taste it over not. Yeah, so that's all right. But, I mean, to be fair, if I lived that close to Kismetic, I would be drunk all way too often. It's, he's, <clears throat> he sees me a fair point, and I'm probably not there enough, but, if that tells you anything. But um, anything that they put out, like, is fantastic. Yeah. And after the show, we'll talk about some maybe ways you can get it. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe ways. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then... Okay, so if I'm I'm thinking package also, um, I can't remember the exact name, but I know I pick up a four pack relatively regularly. Um, Taxman's Belgian Blonde. It's a good one. Yeah, do you remember deduction? the name? Of uh, deduction. No, Dedu- uh, Gold Standard. Gold Standard. That's Sorry. it. That's it. <laughs> and that is light enough, but it also gives me the funk which I crave. The funk that I crave. You can go back and listen to the episode about that. Yeah, we did a review of that one. Just that? Yep. Just yeah. that one. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I missed that. That's great. <laughs> like in fact, I got one in the fridge. Four or that three? Or? No, it was like episode 10. Oh, really? Because that's the one that we recorded, but I only recorded Oh, yeah, we had to record you, it twice. And so we had to re-record it. Yeah. So we had my side and not his. So did just it only me, like yelling in the background the entire time? <laughs> did it Even... come in only one ear too? Was it like mono? No. Well, so mono comes in both. Okay. Stereo is the one that comes in each, and okay. if you mess up and oh, it's remove bad. one side, you only get one oh, side. No. It's bad so because I was I, on the way here. I was... do everything in mono, uh, simply because I am someone who will put one headphone, like one ear pod in. Yes. And if you're doing stereo. You know, whichever side you got out, you're not hearing, and that can lose a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, but no, it was just I forgot. I don't know what I can't even remember. It was what on I the did computer. Wrong. It was before this. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. It was on the computer, and I just forgot to put it on, and it was just double recording him. And so it'd be like sitting like this, but it just sounds like I'm yelling <laughs> in the background the entire time. Like this is what I think about that bit. Basically, just, yep. yeah. It's basically what a seltzer is. It's just Matt yelling across the room what fruit I'm tasting in my seltzer. Seltzer water. Watermelon. The LaCroix of recording. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so as we, as we wrap up here, two hours. Two hours. This is our longest one in a very long ass time. I, I really, if, if, if you all need to cut this down, please do. I, oh, I mean, I we'll, there'll be something. Yeah. It, it, it'll there probably like still be around two 20 hours. 20 minutes worth of pause. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's so, a lot of... Yeah, because I just let it roll. So Good. it's two hours, including all the time yeah. that people walk around. But it's also one of our longer ones. But, I mean, this is what people used to listen to, and some people liked it. Some people did not. We'll see how it goes. Uh, is there anything about Fork and Ale House that you want people to know about? Um, 
any any events like do you guys go out and do any of the events do you got anything going on at the at the restaurant uh coming up this is this is probably going to go up in two weeks so like in last week of june last week of june probably june 4th of july no. probably june yeah. 30th um i am getting ready to submit for the state fair oh, cool uh, i've got a i've got two kegs now of some pilot stuff that uh just been trying out and uh let's say it's a little wilder than what fits on the taps but i'm not putting that down either that has a, its place for it but perhaps you know some styles that i don't get to play with very much i i get to submit for the state fair other than that like tuesdays tuesdays is the greatest deal in brewery history and i don't i don't know how to explain this to anybody but it's still under three dollars for any house beer pint and that's up there with that's up there with uh the it's in carmel too uh the big draft house pint room room. room. yeah yeah i think it's like tuesday or thursday they do like five dollar indiana pints no matter what it is that's fantastic (laughs) it's just whenever especially on a slower day when you're like oh it's a tuesday like i know it's gonna rain tomorrow like my thought is hey come in and drink two or three of my brown ale on a rainy day and get you some freaking spicy nachos and just watch all the people out in the yard um that's that's one thing that i I, they're not going to let go they're kind of like adjusting what works with the menu and what works with beer we're on like a three-month schedule just kind of like checking things and evolving but the this day and age to have under three well granted plus tax but 2.99 pints of beer that's brewed you know it's not on premises anymore, but it's a block away. I that doesn't happen, and it's just like hilarious. No, it's that's fantastic. Yeah. So if you're in Carmel, like, don't be bored on a Tuesday. There's there's stuff to do. On a Tuesday, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank you yeah, for coming on the show and uh, enlightening us about Fork and Ale House Kitchen Kitchen Brewery. Is it kitchen and brewery? Kitchen and brewery. So okay. the ampersand is made of a fork and pint. Okay, that's what I was thinking, yeah. but then my bread, my brain was just like, uh, "Is that what that is?" So, no, uh, it's... this was this was great. You're obviously making good beer. Keep it up. Thanks, man. Uh, we will definitely be checking checking more of this out now that I know this place exists and has its own beer and yeah. Uh, definitely there's, and there's, and it's nice cause there's a lot of stuff up here. So like you could almost do a bar crawl Yes, in a way we're right. I mean, being right next to sun King too, you get a lot of those, the options for sun King, you know, and release in town that they, they, they kind of have that overall over realm. Let's say there's always 20 to 30 taps or like tons of stuff available. And then you get the pint room where I had an Imperial stout two weeks ago called heck and chunkers that. <laughs> that the, that's the orange cat brewery. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got orange cats uh, on the logo. I think it's fat orange cat. Probably. <laughs> but it's an imperial stout, and I just went, that is, I'll have another one, please. But I did not do it that night because I had to drive. <laughs> Be safe. Well, until the next episode, cheers. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, thanks. <laughs>